Hello, hello. Can you guys, can you guys hear me? Is this fine? Sorry, I'm I'm gonna stand with the mic. Um, this this just helps us with recording. I, it's not that you can't hear me or I want to sound cool, but for recording purposes, I will stand with the mic. Um, so I've taken a look at some of the questions and we've kind of broken them down into kind of four categories in a sense, right? I won't mention the categories, but you'll kind of hear the questions as we go through them, all right? And so these are questions that come from you um, from our time with, with BAT. And so I'll ask the question. Sometimes I'll, I'll read it, so I don't want to offend anyone because you know your question. S some of the questions I'll read just because, like, for context, it's, it's better just to read the whole thing out. Some of them I'll just summarize. Like, I get what you're saying, and so I'll just kind of summarize it. A and if I, if I say it incorrectly... Um, don't put your hand up and say you read it wrong. Or, yeah, you read it wrong. Don't, don't do that. But, but rather, you can come chat to, to Bad. I'm sure he'll be more than willing to engage a little bit further after this is, has ended. Okay. You guys ready? Bad has not seen these questions. <laughs> so. so it kind of adds to that, You know what I mean? Like you could go anywhere. Um, but let, let's start here. But you, you alluded to, to BE. Because you, hmm. you, here's the thing. Yeah. When, when we talk about uh, social construct and, and how race plays a role to that and culture and even socioeconomics, and yeah. then you, know, you mentioned the idea of, or not the idea, the reality of colonization. Yeah. Um, we, we, what we can do is we can tend to go, this is a white issue. This yeah. is, we're in the situation. The problem is because of white people. Yeah. And then you spoke about BEE, which was great, because then you, you said, no, 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 hold on. This is on both ends. Yeah. Um, but, but the question is, is how... How is BEE uh, a reflection of, of privilege? Mm. All right, maybe, and I'm gonna double click on that. Mm. Um, middle class black Southern Africans, are, are, are they privileged? Is that, is, mm. that a, is that a reflection of privilege? So mm. how is BEE a reflection of privilege? Okay. And then middle class black Southern Africans, are they, are they privileged? No, I'll begin with the first question, uh, obviously. <laughs> uh, BEE, is it a reflection of privilege? I would say yes and no. Uh, firstly, um, as always, when we deal with something that is theoretically based, we need to respect the context from which it was born. Um, uh, the context from which BEE was born was a reaction to something. And I uh, hear, sorry, I'm just going to double click on something that may be helpful, uh, using what is called the Hegelian dialectic. And the Hegelian dialectic says to every thesis there's an antithesis that leads us to a synthesis. So there's always a pushback to something historically. And BEE is a pushback towards something. And to appreciate what it is pushing back against is very important. So it's pushing, against, pushing back against um, a certain type of privilege that benefited a few. And it's trying to balance the scales out. And I feel that uh, at times BEE can be overemphasized by those who want to get maximum privilege without investing um, their responsibilities well. Uh, I, is BEE wrong? I think that's the wrong question uh, because, in my opinion, is money wrong? Uh, it's, it's neither wrong, no, 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 no. It's neither good nor bad, so it is an amoral uh, thing. So in our understanding of BEE, I think we should ask, where, where am I coming from? So for me, the question is, how am I asking the question? Uh, am I asking the question because 
because I do not like what these BEE uh, beneficiaries are, are, are doing, or is it, am I asking the question from a historical vantage point where I know that colonization happened, where I know that everyone who starts off uh, from a particular people group starts off from a place of um, being underprivileged, and so they've got to work harder to get to the starting line, and they've got to do a few things to, for, for them to actually compete. Uh, we can't deny that. Um, so some families have heritage uh, that, that goes generations financially, so they can draw from that historic uh, bank, so to speak. Others don't, and so you, you've got this disparity that we are faced with. Um, for me, BE is, uh, when abused, becomes a badge of privilege for those who are now saying, ah, we have displaced the old system, and we are pushing back against it, and we want uh, this to be our new reality. When actually, when th there's no gospel lens to it, it becomes a replacement of the old system again. So I, 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 that, that, that's my first uh, response. I don't know if that answers it. Uh, if it doesn't, please, uh, you can come and talk to me afterwards. Uh, second question, I've forgotten. So the, the middle-class black Southern Africans, like, is, are they privileged? Should they, how, do, how should they view themselves um, th yeah, in the context that we're in? I think tension is a good word. Um, a lot of the gospel presents to us uh, people living in tension. For example, a gospel person is actually living here and now, but with the knowledge that uh, this is not all there is. There is a future to come where the new heavens and the new earth will come. So we live in a tension knowing that, yes, we are part of this world, but we are not really part of this world because a new heavens and new earth is coming. And a black, middle-class South African should live with that kind of tension, knowing that I am black, yes, and I am privileged um, by what B is ushering in or trying to stimulate. But at the same time, I am not of BEE holistic or completely. I am of the gospel. And there's a certain gospel imperative that predicates uh, the BEE the, the imperative, so to speak. So I would say living in tension and gaining as much from BEE benefit for the sake of gospel um, outworking. And I think that's the best way to live for any black middle-class South African. Yes, um, a lot of black middle-class South Africans are, are actually struggling with a few things that they have not been appropriated to them because uh, this thing is still unfolding. Um, at the same time, I, I do believe um, the, the, the BEE narrative should not be used as an excuse to abuse those outside of that privilege, but rather should be used as a bridge to help people come in to the benefits that it uh, gives. Uh, firstly... I would say BE should not be used as a, a barrier between black and white, uh, which it does in many places, but rather it should be used as an opportunity to build bridges and create diversity as much as possible, especially within the church. Um, I think in business, I'm not a business person, I'm a theologian, and so I will speak theologically and relationally. I think BE is an opportunity to actually go across the divide uh, or the historic divide and help build communities that are diverse. So in churches, I think it presents networking opportunities for business if they are business-minded people within your churches. In churches, I think it, it presents opportunity for investing, uh, as I said earlier, giving skills to those who don't have skills and actually having people who are not um, skilled the same way coming around a table uh, to be part of the same conversation that builds a, a diverse kind of community. And so the objective for me will be creating a diverse community in the church that results in a reflection of what the gospel looks like, harnessing the very power of BEE, but not using the BEE as a marker of identity. Great. Thanks.
I don't know if that helps. That's yeah, no, that's <laughs> brilliant. That's brilliant. So you, you touched on it, this idea of family. Uh, so some of the complexities, uh, and I think even that question of is BE privilege is born out of just some of our family realities. Mm. Um, so, so maybe this question uh, kind of you can answer it or speaks into it. So before considering uh, elevating a domestic worker, is it bad to consider elevating extended family who are very much in need? And so uh, in bracket, they put here the concept of black tax. Mm. Um, so for many South Africans. Uh, big question, eh? black tax and uh, black tax calls. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, you know, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that because I'm, I'm gonna get, <laughs> I might get stoned. Double click, sorry. Uh, I, think, I think black tax is something we all live with. And um, dare I say, there's actually something called a white tax also. Because it's not only black people who pay black tax. I think the proportions are in, may, may be higher. But you also have white families where um, you, you, you have a particular person supporting a wider group of people. So I think it's on both ends, but it's more pronounced within the black community because of the type of culture um, black people have in South Africa. Um, I have cousins uh, who are experts at asking for cash, and some of them do not want to work, <laughs> uh, and some of them can't work. So you go weigh this up. Um, I, I, I think, uh, ask the question again, because I'm thinking on my feet. So, so before considering elevating a domestic worker. Yes, yes, I've got, I've got a, so, 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 <laughs> sorry. Um, I, I think once you employ somebody, the responsibility to that person is not only financial, if you're a Christian but it is broader than financial. Um, so you, you, we can't create a false dichotomy between or f extended... F once, if you're paying black tax, then your domestic worker, in my opinion, should be part of your black tax system because we, we, we then fall into the trap of creating false dichotomies of, oh, you're not my family, oh, you're my family, when actually the gospel says you, we are now of, of the same family. And actually, it, it cuts deeper um, because I, I, I would actually argue uh, that the responsibility we have to the household of faith uh, can push back towards our natural kin in some places. I can quote Jesus, uh, who's, who's, who's my mother, who's my father, who's, uh, it is, there's a, there, there's a disturbance that happens within the gospel in that family is redefined not by blood, but by grace. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. It is, it, yeah, so my wife shouts it's uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> no, it is be because it's, it's that tension that mm. exists between um, my blood and, and what the blood of Jesus mm. has done yep. in, in extending my family beyond, beyond um, ethnicity or, or you know, blood relatives and so forth. And, and this is what I'll say. If your family is not Christian, I think your res primary responsibility to them is to share the gospel with them and to demonstrate what the gospel looks like. But that does, should not stand in competition with the family called the church. And the question, I could double-click on that question. Oh, is it right for me to give to the church when my family is hungry? We could go even further. Uh, I haven't paid, m I haven't given the church money for the past six months because actually I've got, uh, what does the Bible say concerning, concerning giving? And, and, and I feel we, we are very good at wanting to dodge the bullet um, because responsibility that looks like including people who don't look like us is something that we are not comfortable with. Let me just take you to Galatians. And in Galatians, you have Peter actually being shown up by Paul as being a racist. 
it begins in Acts 10. And Paul, and, and he's praying, and God gives him a vision, and he drops down a sheet with all kinds of animals that are not kosher. And the, God says to Peter, take, eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I don't eat sushi, I don't eat snake, I don't eat that. And Paul, the voice comes back to him and says, take, eat. And the point that God is making is that the, the, the new covenant has come into full effect. And what this means is that those you went eating with, now you can eat with, because the family of God has become broader than your kin. And God deals with Peter not only then <laughs> concerning his racism. It's racism. Jew does not like Gentile. And this is the point of Ephesians 2. The wall has come down. It is not a wall of, oh, we don't mix together. It's a wall of racism. We had racism in the early church. And we can often use the same paradigm when it comes to domestic workers. Ah, you're not really part of my family. My extended family is more. Listen, they are now within the, as DJ, is it DJ Small Cleo? I forgot. Make the circle bigger. <laughs> and that, that's the point of a gospel. Make the circle bigger. <laughs> I'll school you on uh, music. Uh, never mind. <laughs> I'm better for rock. No, no, that's, that's, that's helpful. So, I love, I, love, I love how these kind of flow into one another. Mm. And so, you know, the family question comes out because, well, financially, I don't have mm. the ability to help family and to, to do this. True. The daughter is walking mm. through me too. Um, so then this question is, so what do I do um, if I can only afford the minimum? Mm. Like, what, what do I do then? Do I, do I not then employ someone mm. and, and or... Yeah, speak mm. into that. Like what? Uh, I, I'm going to use tithes and offerings again. <laughs> and often we, we, we want to escape the question. Do I give to the church? Oh, what, what is the right percentage? Is it 10%? Is it 5%? Is it... And that's the wrong question because it betrays the very posture of the heart. Yeah, what, how much should I give a car guard? Is it 5 rand? Is it 10 rand? What's the going rate? <laughs> I was with, uh, with my boss from Cape Town the other week. Uh, she came over and, uh, so I'm not bragging, I'm not rich, but I gave the car guard <laughs> 10 rand. She was like, what? You give him 10 rand over here? In Cape Town, we give him 5 rand. <laughs> I didn't know there was a going rate. You see what I'm saying? The, the point is not so much what's the minimum I can do, what's the minimum I can get away with, but rather how much grace is motivating me to empower my domestic worker. And I think it's a question of understanding grace more than it is a question of how much. Uh, tick the boxes, tick the box. And, and I, I think the fear we have is I won't have enough for myself. The fear is, I won't have enough for myself. And then the question becomes, <laughs> do you really trust God? I mean, this is not prosperity. Do you really trust God? Let me put it this way. You see, all this we're talking about concerning financial responsibility towards a domestic worker is not so much, oh, how much do I have at the end of the month? Uh, over, oh, the domestic worker should feature in your budget plans. The domestic worker has got to have a line on that spreadsheet. It is not something that you react to. I'm like, oh, ah, yeah, I've got 500 left. Ah, there you go. Oh, 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 we don't have these clothes left. No, no, no. The, the giving is not something that you fall into. It's something you plan. It's called, according to, to considered giving. It means you use 
upstairs to come up with a decision. You, you consider your giving. And I think when it comes to the whole domestic worker thing, we want to dodge the bullet because we feel, oh, you've rendered me a service. I don't have enough. Uh, that's going red, five rand. The grace of God was not flippant towards it. It wasn't like, oh, maybe, uh, you, maybe you'll be saved. There was a foreknowledge. There was a, a consideration on the part of God. There was a, a plan on the part of God. There was a sending on the part of God. And there was a salvation that has been appropriated into our lives when we trusted the Savior. And this was not something that happened accidentally. This was orchestrated before the very foundations of the world. So, who am I to then say, ah, domestic worker, ah, maybe. There is a plan. It is financial, it is social, it encompasses the whole person. And I'm sorry, I'm passionate about this stuff, you can tell I'm writing this stuff. It, it is important that we be attentive to our responsibilities, not in a flippant way. Do you wake up, I'm like, ah, it's not like you're ordering a meal from McDonald's, man. Uh, chicken burger. No, 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 no. This is I'm planning a meal, and I'm going to use this ingredient because it's going to cause this, and it's going to make the meal taste like this, and after it is boiled for so many, it is planned and okay. This is what we do with what we're responsible for, gospel-wise. And it's important, please. The world is not changed by accidental happenings often. It is changed by deliberate actions that are considered. Um, permit me to say something. Go for it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Connected to what you're saying, and it's something that I've, I've learned personally, and I'm now engaging with others. And, and I say this um, unashamedly as middle class South Africans on the app, that's, that's the bulk of this room. I think we confuse the word need sometimes when it's like, I don't have enough money, um, or I'm, I'm barely covering my needs. And then when you look into the room and it's like, when did DSTV become a need? Forgetting that that is an incredible luxury when you look at the, the majority. Let's just, let's, let, we should never put this aside, right, the Bible. But let's just take a step and look at the majority of our country. DSTV is an incredible luxury. Yep. And yet we've now put it in our budget under, like, it's a need. Going to the gym is a luxury. You should be able to just go run outside if you want to get fit and lose weight, right? But no, no, we, we, we put it in our budget as a need. And then, mm. then we say, when it comes to, to the caring of others yep. who are made in the image of God, we go, oh, I just, I, I don't have enough to cover my... So, so for me, it's, it's to take a step back and to go, okay, listen, what's, what's a need here? Is it going to my favorite coffee shop every day and ordering that cappuccino that costs 25 rand? Is that a need or is it, no, hold on, there's, there's an opportunity for me here to engage someone who does not know Jesus or someone who does know Jesus and, and it's just, is in, is in need. For them, it's a real need. I think that, that for me has helped. Uh, just yeah. even in the conversation when, mm. when engaging with people and they're going, I, I don't have enough. It's like, okay, cool, I understand that. Let's, let's go into your living room mm. and have a look. Hold yep. on, you have quite a bit. You actually have, you're in the, the top. The top 1%. The top 1%. Um, but that's just me. Um, here's, a, here's a question. 
with the same responsibility and burden to elevate um, a domestic worker uh, is, is the same if that person is not a Christian. How, how do we engage? As I said, um, I love what Abiti Anuibile says on this one, and uh, it's an illustration I've borrowed. I've stolen it from him. And um, he uses the image of a baseball, of a baseball field. And in there, what he says is, um, first and foremost, when you meet somebody or engage with somebody, the, f- the first question is not so much, are you a Christian, but rather, are you human? And if the question to that, if the answer to that, rather, is yes, then identify them on that shared humanity. And often we want to bring in the gospel message uh, and excuse our human responsibility to one another. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the gospel is not important. I'm saying the gospel is important. But my first interaction with you is not so much are you a Christian, but rather a human being. And it's important that we get this right. Because here, human being means created as, not in, sorry, as the image of God. Let me double click on this one. Sorry, (laughs) cogs are turning. (laughs) As the image of God. Now, whenever we read Genesis, we think, ah, man was created as in the image of God, and then, ah, and then Adam, Eve, and then, ah, then the human race. It's important for us to read the creation narrative as God creating his house. And here, I want to emphasize that when a building is being built, uh, you put the foundation in, you put the walls up, you put the trusses, the windows and stuff, and then you put furniture in. But the house is incomplete until something hangs on the wall. What hangs on the wall? A picture of who? A picture of your neighbor. A picture of, of you. Showing that you are the image holder who lives here. The image reflects the person who lives in the home. Now, when God created the heavens and the earth, on the final day when everything was good, 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 and then very good, the the very good came when something was hung on God's wall of creation. And what was that? Adam and Eve. So what we have is the picture of God in the universe is not a donkey, it is not a horse, it is human beings. And fundamentally, the reflection of God is seen in humanity hanging on God's cosmic temple. Are we getting this? Creation is God's cosmic temple. And when you see creation and you see a human being, you are seeing a human being functioning as the image of God. What the fool did is it took that picture, threw it on the ground, stomped at it, and we can't see the image clearly. Are we getting this? Friends, when we relate to domestic workers, firstly and foremost, we've got to recognize that they are created as the image of God. And they will... <laughs> Beautiful, as the image of God, (laughs) or the the daddy. (laughs) The picture of a domestic worker should reflect God, firstly. And our responsibility is to take the broken picture, if they're not Christians, and change the, the, the glass on top of it and put a new glass on so that we can see the image perfectly, and that is called gospel ministration. But first and foremost, we engage them as human beings. We know who they are. We know what their name is. We know where their family lives. And we take them on a journey of walking them in reclaiming their humanity and bringing them to a knowledge of Christ that saves. And I say, most of us are very good at knowing the gospel, but not very good at respecting the image of God. 
This is why homosexuals should find, f feel safe in your church. Why? Because before they are identified with their sexual orientation, they are an image of God. This is why racism should never be found in the church. Why? Because before they are black, white, colored, or Indian, they are an image of God. This is why women should find a place of affirmation in the church. Why? Because before they are female, they are actually an image of God. Friends, there is a picture hanging in God's cosmic temple. And it does not look like a donkey. It looks like you and me. And our responsibility is to reclaim the picture if they're not Christians and put a proper and broken glass by introducing the gospel and the picture hangs perfectly for the rest of the universe to see. Created as the image of God. When we sin, we are not functioning as the image of God. When we call a person, you fool, Racha. We're not functioning or celebrating the image of God. Don't insult your brother. Why? Because they're not reflecting you. They're reflecting God. That's why you should never make fun of anyone's appearance. Be they big, small, short, tall. Why? They're reflecting God's image. That's why you should never make fun of a person's race. Or have. That's why apartheid is demonic. Because it undermines the image of God. And the job of the church is to reverse that by ministering the gospel. Does that help? Maybe let's move into a little bit of, of culture and, and relationships. Yep. Um, this is a two-part two -part question. What do I do if, if I'm struggling to, to engage relationally mm. with my, my domestic worker or my employee um, because of, of culture, different cultural yeah. dynamics. Like we're trying to talk and we're trying to build people yeah. missing each other. Um, so that's, that's the first part. What are some practical things that I can do there? And, and then the second part is, um, how do I break the culture of I can't eat with you around the table? Okay. You, you mentioned that. How, how do I break the culture of, um, you know, this is what we eat yep. and this is what you eat? Okay. So the first question again, please. Um, Practical. What do we do yeah, when we, we struggle to engage? Okay. Um, I, I think um, the best thing to think of is a car. Um, to think of a car moving through stages um, in its acceleration and deceleration. And a car doesn't just get into fifth gear. A car moves from gear one, second, third, fourth. And as it g goes up the gears, its momentum increases. And I believe we should be willing not to get stuck in gear one, but to willing to engage second, third, and so on. And maybe for some in here, you're already in the third gear and you just need a bit of a, a bit more acceleration and get into fourth and fifth and you're cruising. Maybe for some, you're actually stuck in neutral. So we are different places, is what I'm trying to say. And identifying where you are in cultural engagement is important. Um, there are practical things to do. Um, I think, first thing, South Africa has a plethora of languages. Please learn the language of your domestic worker. I'm not saying master it. I'm saying learn a few symbols. My Greek lecturer, Dr. Glenn Balfour, God bless his soul, Gregor, used to say, language is the outer skin of culture. We were in Maboneng, my wife and I. So, because our language of communication between the two of us is English. She's French, she speaks French, English, 
she learned a bit of Spanish. She understands Creole because her parents are from Mauritius, um, but she was born in France. I speak Ndebele, which is a variation of Zulu, if you want. Uh, I can understand Kosa, I can understand a Zulu guy. Um, I can, a bit of Swati, um, but my language is Ndebele, Shona, English, and Koine Greek, if you want. So this guy, so I was speaking to my wife in Maboneng, and I was like, oh, let's go over there. And then I asked this guy in Maboneng, because there the, the weren't chairs around a table we wanted to sit around. So I spoke to him in English, and he gave me this steel face, and he said nothing. Then I switched language from English to Zulu. I came forward. Let's go to Zulu, man. And his response was beautiful. And what he was saying is, speak to me in the language I understand for me to identify with you. Was that racist? Maybe. I'm not sure. But for me, the point is, because I spoke to him in a language that was his, he opened up more. And I feel many of us patronize our domestic workers. Do you know, <laughs> some of the most gifted linguists in this country do not look like people sitting behind desks in language schools, in universities, but they, they are based in the township. Because in the township, you pick, speak suit, you speak Tuan, you speak Ndebele, Kosa, whatever is going, you will all pick it up. And it's most possible for a Swati guy to be speaking to a Kosa guy and them share, sharing communication without even translating. Why? Because they understand each other. Why don't you pick up a few greetings in Kosa if you can't speak the language? Hi. Hey, teach me how to say Mon. Teach me how to say Salmon. That's, that's the thing to do. Teach them how to cook a European base dish, and they can teach you how to cook pap properly. <laughs> These are things, practical things you can do. Before we even get to the table, teach me how to do this. And increase your vocab, because the more you show interest into their world, the more they open up. But if you project superiority, there is never going to be an opening up. And I will say the same thing of um, our, our black folk in here. It seems when we enter the middle class, we lose certain symbols and we become a certain type. Don't lose that. It's actually a tool for the gospel. If you need to speak in Zulu to identify with, identify and use that because it's part of you and it's been given to you by God to help promote gospel presentation. So those are practical things we can do. Uh, thinking about what to learn from them as much as what you can teach from them. So this is not a relationship where you're projecting knowledge and projecting superiority. It's an equal playing field and you're learning from each other. And identifying what you can learn from each other is very important. The second question, sorry, I forgot. Uh, how do we break, and you, you've mentioned a little bit, but you can speak more into it. How do we break the culture of I can't eat around the table mm. with you? Um, or, or, you know, this is my food and this is your food. Absolutely. Uh, let me add something <laughs> quickly there to it. Um, uh, you might be speaking to the majority of this, um, of this room. How do we do that when sometimes many of our domestic workers are older than us, yeah. old, old enough to be our, our parents or our grandparents? Yeah, very good. How, very how good. Do we, yeah. African culture is very much um, oral. So we have an oral history. And one of the most beautiful things you can ever do with an older domestic worker is to take five minutes of your day and just sit down with them and talk. Tell me about your grandchildren. Not so much do this, do a, no, don't just do a list of today I want you to do the dishes, I want you to do the, and then see you later, bye. Communication is not note-based, but rather it is relational and in your space. And the more you do this, the more the domestic worker or the, the other person who may be older opens up. 
you see, <laughs> I'll give you an example. The same lady who talked about uh, me, me giving the God five rand, that same lady, um, <laughs> she, she, we, we went to Soweto. So part of my job, I work for Christian book discounters part-time. So we went to Soweto, and we went, <laughs> so we stumbled upon this church, and we wanted to introduce um, uh, our services to, to this church where we help churches with material. So uh, I got there, and uh, <laughs> it was a black committee for a Methodist church, Methodist church in Africa, actually. So they were seated around, and uh, naturally, because I, I've been in such settings, I slowed down my pace, I, I, I crouched uh, so that I'm not elevated because they were seated, uh, and, and I, I introduced myself in a very slow and paced way because that's what I was taught uh, in my cultural understanding. I then invite this lady, who was my, my boss, who had come from Cape Town, and she came in and she was standing, and she was speaking at a thousand kilometers an hour. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? I'm like, I'm like, and I was like, stop, stop, you don't do that. Conversation is slowed down because it's a sign of respect. You let them leave the conversation because you're showing them respect. You listen and respond, and if they give you food, you eat it. You, because if you don't eat it, it's actually saying, I don't care about you. Because relationship is sealed around food in African culture. Not what you cook, but what they cook. And so having opportunities where you talk during the day, I think, is important. And not just do a service for them, but get to know them. Not because you want to solve a problem in there. Not because you're a messiah, no. But because you're genuinely interested in their humanity. And that opens up the opportunity for the gospel to be presented clearly. These are not people who are just coming into your home. These are people who have lived through so many things. Some of them have, li have lived through a political crisis. Some of them have lived through seeing generations of their family die to different pandemics or being shot. So many, so much history. And it's right at your doorstep. And so often we patronize it because we think because we are now middle class, they have nothing to teach us. Slow down your pace. Engage relationally and get to know them as a person. And maybe we may learn a thing or two. It's mm. good. Um, so last one, last question. Uh, it's quite a, an essay, so I'm going to read it to go you. Go for it. Um, so how far does your responsibility towards the person who works in my house extend? Uh, by this I mean uh, when I, a Christian, uh, keep on investing in ex extending kindness towards the lady uh, who works in my house. A and she says that she's a Christian, but she keeps... Uh, lying to me. She keeps uh, taking things from my home um, without asking, uh, when do I put new boundaries in place and what do they look like? And so this, this might very be very kind very of an Ephesians dynamic is that, yeah. yes, we sit together at the table yeah. because we are brother and sister, yeah. but then when we get up, there's yeah. still an employer-employee relationship. And, and this is a very difficult one. Uh, I do not want to lie. It's, it's a difficult one because often um, kindness is not met with great gratitude, um, but rather it is responded to with abuse. Um, firstly, I would say expect abuse <laughs> uh, if you're a Christian. Um, uh, Christianity is not a ticket to uh, the perfect life. It's actually an assurance of salvation. It's like the judgment that was waiting for us in the future has been dealt with here and now, and we've been fast-forwarded to that reality, and we are living at peace with God today. So uh, I, I would say as a Christian, be, be careful to think that because I've done all of this, everything is going to be okay. Um, there will be abuse. Um, Jesus 
if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. As much as we want to minister the gospel, the gospel will not be met with uh, wide open arms where people are just going to become, oh, yes, I'm, I'm attentive to that and I'm responding to that positively. That's my first point. The second point, I think pragmatically, uh, I, I think things have got to be worked out in stages. I, I think this is not just... I'm now kind to my domestic worker, but rather I am discipling my domestic worker as I demonstrate my kindness. And I feel it's important that we as Christians be attentive to the fact that domestic workers come in different shapes and sizes. Some come with different worldviews. So you may be wrestling with um, animistic worldviews where, um, where the ancestors are more important than Jesus or the ancestors are living side by side with Jesus and you've got to wrestle through that. And I think that's a different response to that. And what I'm trying to say is this. Morality is not a universal standard that every domestic worker shares. Okay, you don't do A, B, C, D. I think morality has got to be taught in a discipleship relationship and moving from stage A to stage B, uh, if you want to call it that, may differ uh, from the next family. Uh, and I, I think it's important to be attentive, firstly, to where you are in your relationship with the domestic worker. Are they a Christian? If they are professing Christianity and are not practicing Christianity, then I think it's a teaching point that you can actually invest in. And it may look like uh, actually praying together. It may look like actually teaching them portions of a Bible. It may look like buying books for them in languages that they understand. It may look like saying, okay, listen, let's go to church together. It may look like saying, okay, we're going to go to church together, and then afterwards we're going to go to that coffee place that I like, and we're going to talk about what we heard in church. These are practical things you can do to actually respond to what may be a movement from stage A to stage B. There's no one-size-fits-all. But I, I was warned against the understanding that uh, morality is a universal, so every domestic worker has got to abide by this. You may find that some domestic workers are not so good at working, they're lazy. You may find that some are hardworking. You may find that some are thieves. You may find that some actually work very hard, and uh, con you, may, you may find that a certain population group from a different country works harder than, but that does not excuse one from being responsible universally. So I'm saying, let's be attentive to the different realities that we face according to the person who's in front of us because the experiences that inform a person to where they are differ from one person to the next. So the journey of how they learn morality could be different. And so let's be careful concerning universalizing, but taking this matter where it actually at, is at rather and moving a person from one point to the, to the other in an attentively responsible way. That's the best I can give. No, that's great. That's great. Thank you so much, uh, Bat. That's, wow, what an incredible morning. A and I, I'm still going to give you a few moments just for a last word. Okay. Um, but <laughs> during the break, uh, someone comes up to me and says, hey, uh, does Bat have a church? Because <laughs> <laughs> if he does, I'm leaving Rooted. <laughs> um, and in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, if he started one, I'd probably leave Rooted as well. <laughs> no. Um, no, but it's, it's incredible. But, but it, the other side of the coin is I'm, I'm actually thankful that you're not in, in pastoral or full-time pastoral ministry, but mm. rather in the space of academics because we, we need you. Um, this continent needs uh, more writings, more, more you know, uh, biblical content mm. that helps us figure out how do we navigate 
uh, in this world mm. with the gospel, that having been empowered by the gospel, but transformed by the gospel. We desperately need that. For too long, and you and I spoke about this, for too long we've borrowed from the West, we've borrowed from Europe. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, yeah. right? So don't hear me wrong. I will quote these guys uh, week in, week out in my sermons. It's great stuff, but, but I want to move from quoting them to quoting you. Um, because I, I believe that there's, there's incredible depth that we have, and we've just experienced it here this morning. There's incredible depth that's right here on this continent, and so I'm so thankful that you have decided to, to listen to what God has called you to do, and you may end up in full-time pastoral mm. ministry, um, and we at Richard will do everything we can to, to pull you out of it again. <laughs> to root um, me. <laughs> no, but, but, but I can't wait to, to, to ri- read some of your writings, to read some of your books, and, and I'm definitely going to quote uh, a lot of what you have said to us and what you'll continue to say as you have an influence, you and Vanessa have uh, an influence um, not only in the southern part of this continent, not only in this continent but in the world. We're, we're shifting to a time where the West and Europe are looking at, at nations like ours, Very continents true. like Very ours, true. and are going, hey, we've messed up. Mm. We don't know what to do, yep. but we notice that the gospel is at work here. Yep. And if it can happen here, if it can happen here, then we have no excuse. Yeah. We have no excuse. And that's, that, man, I'm, yeah. I'm, you are right up front uh, leading us. We are following you as you do that. So thank you. Thank you so much. And so I'll say this, and then I'm going to give you some time for some final words. This is for you just to share your heart. Um, yeah. I'll come up and say thanks, and then, uh, then we'll be done. He'll send his notes to me. This is rich. Um, he'll send this to me and then anyone who wants this uh, I'll email to you so just come and give me your email address and I'll give it to you but he's asked please 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 and he used a very academic word he said publish publish please do not publish uh, any of his stuff here this is kind of part of his PhD and so um, so use it however you want to use it use it in your small groups as you engage friends and colleagues and, and family it's fine but just don't publish it all right. Okay. <laughs> I just want. I just want to respond. Indeed. Yes. Wait. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So, so back. Final. Final words. Well, thank you very much for for having Vanessa and I over, and thanks to uh, Itai and Karayo came over from City Hill to to to, uh, to be a part of this. Um, um, I, I, I didn't know you uh, at the beginning of this um, morning, but uh, now I feel um, I know you more. The reason being we belong to the same family. Um, my heart really, um, our heart, Vanessa and I, is that, that I'll never forget my, I'll never forget my, uh, <laughs> one of my lecturers uh, who took me for Pentecostal church history. And uh, he said, Africa is over-evangelized but undertaught. Uh, Africa, and those words uh, have stayed with me for a very long time, and I feel God has given me um, a gift to, to help people understand the Bible uh, in, um, in, 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 a, in a very particular way. <laughs> um, um, so, um, so with that, I hope um, you, you're blessed this morning. Um, but also, with, with that, I just want to say, um, th- this is more than just, um, oh, that, that touched me there, that challenged me here. Um, I think from here, the question is, what do I do? 
uh, where, where am I with my domestic worker? Where am I in, the, in, in employing a domestic worker? Am I going to employ a domestic worker? Uh, what would be my investment plan for them, uh, be social, financial, uh, and, and, and other, otherwise? Uh, the, the, the objective of engaging the Bible uh, is not that we read the Bible, but that we let the Bible read us. The objective of reading the Bible is not that we read the Bible and, oh, I know how to pass that Greek verb, logos, logos, logos. No, no, no. It is about what the Bible reveals in my heart. The Word of God is sharper than any double, uh, revealing uh, the very intentions of a heart. So my wish is that from this, maybe we say, okay, God, you read that about me. Can you please take that out and bring this in and help me act this way? I pray that... um, We'll not just say, okay, that was great, uh, that was useful, but move on to say, I'm going to do A. I'm going to do B. I'm going to invite that domestic worker. I'm going to teach them how to drive. I'm going to teach them how to apply for a course at UNISA. And in three years' time, they should have a degree. And I can say goodbye to them and invite a new domestic worker in and repeat the process with them. And in there, share Jesus and hopefully point them to eternal, to eternal graces that affect the rest of their lives. Maybe for you it's actually saying, eh, Tembisa is not bad, bad after all. I'm going to go there. I'm going to say hi. I'm going to make friends with my domestic workers' family because I'm as much a part of them as they are part of me. I, I, I can say so much, but this is impossible without the grace of God. And I would say, pray. Pray that God will give you grace uh, to cross boundaries. Maybe set a plan for yourself and say, Lord, I know I struggle with dining with somebody who doesn't look like me. Help me to do that in the next six months. Maybe for you it's a car guard. And say, listen, I'm just going to try a car guard for three months and say, listen, bonjour, ça va? Because most of them speak French. Most of them actually are highly educated but they can't function in South Africa because of a language barrier. Bonjour, ça va? Je m'appelle. Go on, go on, Google. It'll give you translate. How do I say hello in French? <laughs> Memorize those words. Take them to the shopping center. Bonjour, ça va? Huh. Come over to my house after. Don't do it once. Don't, 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 don't do it after one conversation. Get to know them a bit. And don't do it as a young lady when you're in trouble because you never know. But what I'm saying is, There are practical ways we can respond with the gospel to cross boundaries in the mission field that is in front of us. And often we think church is all there is on a Sunday, but the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. May may God bless you. May he root you in the knowledge that domestic workers are not just domestic workers, but they are more than domestic workers if they are Christians. They are dear brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. And, and, and with that, do, do you mind? I'd love to pray. Yeah, for love you. I'd love to pray for you and Vanessa. So, Vanessa, doesn't mind coming up. Um, as she comes up, I'll just say that this is why we do this is we, we want to create a safe environment to, to talk about these things. Um, and, and so, we, we do this so that we can get people in a room and go, listen, I know it's uncomfortable. I know you may be rubbed the wrong way, but if we don't say anything, if we don't talk to one another, they will just perpetuate what's currently happening. So I'm hoping that God would use this to create something more powerful than we could ever imagine um, right here 
in, in our very continent. All right. so, so join me as we pray for Bat and, and Vanessa. Father, thank you um, for this just incredible morning uh, to, to come together and to, uh, to hear from you through your servant, Father. Um, I thank you so much for this couple. I thank you so much for Bat and Vanessa, who uh, I know have made a, a commitment to you to love you and to glorify you. Uh, and how you are using them as a married couple, Father God. I pray that you would uh, just continue to open doors of opportunity for them, that you would continue to bless them, um, that their eyes would uh, be fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, um, and that you would give them much influence. Um, wherever they go, Father God, that you would give them incredible influence, uh, that as they reflect you, uh, you and your kingdom, uh, Father God, may you bring people to a place where they would know you deeply and intimately, uh, that they would be saved uh, by the grace that comes from your uh, son, Jesus Christ. And so thank you. Thank you for them. Uh, what a privilege it's been to hang out and to hear from them. Uh, Father, I pray that what we've heard, that we would go out and put it into practice, um, that we would take that first step uh, of courage. Um, for many of us, uh, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to be saying and doing things that uh, many of our friends and family may even disagree with. Uh, Father God, I pray that we would be obedient to you, uh, that we would be faithful to you, uh, because we know that you honor that, um, that you are here for us, that you watch over us, that you protect us, and that you love us. Thank you, Lord. Um, so, Lord, send us out with your great power. Uh, may your spirit lead uh, in everything that we do as we relate with those who look different to us, who have uh, less than what we have, Father God. I pray uh, that we would do so with love, um, and that love would flow out from us, and, uh, and that they would see you for who you are. Thank you, Lord. Uh, the church is a display of your kingdom, yeah. Father God. Um, and so I just ask that we would step into that. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Father, we love you. We praise you. Send us out. Let uh, your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. And all of God's children said. Amen. 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 Thanks, Amen. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh, guys, have a fantastic Saturday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And, uh, and yeah, there's, I think there's still coffee and there's still more treats.